Father God, as we come together this morning, I thank you that that is our, the, the behold him that we talked about this morning, God, that's what we're here to do, we're here to behold you, your glory, your majesty, God, we're here to bring you honor and praise, God, we delight in your word and we hope to learn from it this morning, God, that you would teach us through it, amen. So if you've been joining us, or if you're just visiting this morning, I want to give you guys a perspective on where we're at. Today is a, is a message in a series, and this is the, the New Life series that we have been working through for, this has been kind of our summer series. So we've been growing the series, much like uh, hopefully plants in the garden have been growing over, and, and what we've walked through is we, we planted seeds and we prepared them in the very beginning. And then over the past couple of weeks, we've talked about habits that really reach foundationally into our hearts and help to cultivate it. And this week, and then then over the next couple, we're going to talk about how all of that prepares us and helps us to bear fruit. And so this is a little more detail to that, and then how we've been talking about identity, and then uh, then how that walks out in woundedness and forgiveness as we, again, prepare our hearts. So just to go over this, we... Um, we put all of these up on our website, and so if you find yourself having missed a week or want to refresh yourself on a week, uh, feel free to check out our website, or if you are checking this out because you're on our website, I'm glad you guys are listening in as well. So this week, we are going to start off with the, the fruit portion of, of this series, with generosity, and I just think it is neat to, so the last time I got to teach, I taught on identity, and I kicked off this series, it's neat to be able to come with you now and, and be able to talk about like the, how that walks out in generosity straight from basically our identity. So we're going to be talking about, and I like to, okay, start with basics when we're talking about something, and then we can kind of build on that, right? I, I feel like that's a good model. So we're going to walk through that today and actually going to kind of grow this into a, a two-parter with next week where we're talking about sharing with a grateful heart. And so what we're going to be doing is, is walking out these kind of questions that I like to answer if I'm looking at maybe a particular passage or a topic that I could start to answer to frame that out. And so we'll be using these as like a, a guideline, and then the word is, is awesome, and so in that we'll be able to dive even deeper, and that's what these questions kind of set us up for. So when we look at generosity, a question might become, well, when, when do we need to be generous? And so we look at some circumstances there of when we could be. It says, okay, well, what would be we generous with? And so we're going to talk some about resources. I'll use that word, and it, it will expand on it some um, when we get to it then. And that's what we're going to talk about this week. And then next week, we're going to go in to talk some about who is the beneficiary of our generosity, and then the manners and the how in which we do it. And that's where we'll, spoiler alert, kind of get with that share from a grateful heart. So I, I wanted to start today, um, we will be, we'll be digging into the word uh, in Mark. We're going to be starting with the the widow and the two mites. So uh, I thought this was neat as I was thinking about this uh, uh, probably about two weeks ago, I think as a family we were going through, we have this storybook Bible that we use for some of our time with the kids and it was the story of the widow and two mites and it was neat because I, I knew this com- teaching was coming up on the horizon. I was like, man, it would be awesome to be able to start there and frame out again those questions that we're looking at here. So we're picking up in verse 12 verse 41, sorry, of chapter 12. It says, Now Jesus sat opposite the treasury, 
and saw how the people put money into the treasury, and many who were rich put in much. The one poor widow came and threw in two mites, which, which make a quadrant. So he called the disciples to himself and said to them, Assuredly, I say to you that this poor widow has put in more than all those who have given to the treasury. For they all put in out of their abundance, but she put out of her poverty. But in all that she had, her whole livelihood, so really powerful description there of just the actual impact that it might not seem like those two mites were that much, but as we read verse 44 again, it says, for they all put in out of their abundance, but she out of her poverty. And so already in this, we start to see some examples of the circumstances and the resources that we can be generous with. And so surely in this, and we'll talk a little bit more about it, but, but we're going to focus on the widow who gives out of a lack, out of a deficit, still being generous. And, and she gives financially here in this passage. And again, to not, not minimize what she is giving. I just, it's, it's worth repeating because of the, the absolute statement that is in there. She put in all that she had. And uh, wow, what, what a, so, you know, just think about as, as they're viewing, as the disciples are viewing people just throwing in and someone puts in two mites. Two mites is like, it's something like a quarter of a penny in like what would be today's monetary equivalent. That doesn't seem like a lot or the fact that that could have a big impact. But then when we read this, what is the impact of it? To say to you that this poor widow has put more in than all those who have given to the treasury. The size of its impact rather is, is weighed on the manner in which and the volume in which it is given from. So wanted to also share with you, I like making sure that we just pay attention to the depth that is in uh, the Old Testament. And there's a, here talked about it when he talked about woundedness and forgiveness about Joseph and the story that's in there. And so if you go to Genesis 45, and um, we won't read all of chapters 45 through 50. If you'll allow, I'll take some small time liberties here and summarize them for you and give you studious homework to, to work through those five chapters. But so we pick up in chapter 45, and as a short synopsis to even get us to chapter 45, Joseph has been, in history, has been sold into slavery by his own brothers, and then picked up and through an awesome, but not kind of any happenstance manner, but we'll find out what manner, has made his way into Egypt of great impact, and has been able to work into and done mighty things inside of Pharaoh's house because of his service to God. And so we're going to, in, in verse 45, we're going to pick up here in, in verse, sorry, chapter 45, in verse 5. Says, but now, do not therefore be grieved or angry with yourselves because you sold me here, for God sent me before you to preserve life. Now, Joseph is actually speaking to his brothers. And, you know, this is the first time he's seeing his brothers since many, many years ago that he got sold into slavery. And maybe, I mean, maybe I didn't put the right articulation on that, but I don't think that's how I would have maybe started that conversation. We can try it again. We could try to put something else on it. It says, well, if we back up even in verse 4 and, and 3, he introduces himself. There's, there's, man, there's not a lot of anger here. Rather, he greets them with, with forgiveness. And this is what Kier was talking about when he brought us to this. But not only 
what's amazing is that he doesn't just greet them out of forgiveness, but if we then go and jump to chapter 50 to 20, to verse 20, he's still again speaking with his brothers here in a slightly different instance, a little bit of time has passed. So, but as for you, that's the, the audience of this you here, you meant evil against me, but God meant it for good in order to bring it about as it is this day to save many people alive. And so those circumstances that I talked about earlier, again, not by any, but a guiding hand of a loving God who is capable of all things. And it says in here that even despite the worst treachery of his brother, that God was able to use it to do his will through Joseph as he followed God. And so in that, Joseph was, I think, pretty generous. Generous not just in his calm, peaceful, forgiving response to his brothers, but in, in reaffirming that relationship with them. The verse before this, right there in 21, says that he spoke kindly to them. Right? He, hasn't, he hasn't just like let them in and kind of like kept them at like an arm's distance. Like you can be over in that side of the room and I'll look at you from time to time. It says he's kind with them. He is giving them, they came to him in need. And he is allowing that relationship to be restored and welcoming them back in as brothers. And then, because of his faithfulness, he's able to give so much because of how he has followed God and set, the, set Egypt up in what is a time of great despair for a lot of people. So if, if you see what we're doing, we're, we're kind of building some of, of those circumstances and those resources. So some examples, we've, we've kind of actually, haven't we, we've formed a bounds almost. We've said, first we looked at the widow and her lack, and then Joseph is giving out of, out of abundance. And we have two different examples of how they, the widow giving monetary, and she's giving all of her resources of money that she has. And Joseph is reaching deep, and he's saying, I will forgive you, and speak to his brothers kindly. That's, again, just, ah, man. Um, so the last thing that I want to talk with you guys about, just in terms of generosity and an example of it, is a resource that when we think about resources, we might not consider but it's possibly one of the most tricky or valuable ones. So turn with me. We're going to read the story of the Good Samaritan. And it's, it's up, it will be uh, some up here in Luke 10 we're going to go to. But the whole story, we're going to pick up right with the role of what the Samaritan does. And so for a summary of where we've been, Jesus is sharing a parable. And two people have already passed by a very injured and basically feeble person on the ground and have chosen to walk past him for various reasons that they don't have the time or they're too privileged or maybe they just don't care. So a Samaritan who is not supposed to like this person at all because of ethnicity and it says culturally that he has all the right to not even see that person and just keep moving maybe even around you know do one of these just like you don't. Do you ever do that? Like, what about like when you open a freezer and you like grab something out and you're like, I didn't see this, and you close it real quick because everything is going to fall out. So he had all the right to do one of those. But listen to what he does instead here in chapter 33. Oh, I did it again. Verse 33. Man. It says, but a certain Samaritan, 
as he journeyed, came where he was. This is the injured person on the ground. And when he saw him, he had compassion. So he went to him and he bandaged his wounds, pouring out oil and wine, and set him on his own animal, brought him to an inn, and took care of him. And then it says that even he goes further. On the next day, when he departed, he took out two denarii, gave them to the innkeeper, and said to him, Take care of him, and whatever you spend, when I come back, I will repay you. Let's try a little bit of audience participation. So we've got some resources that we've already identified of money. This Samaritan, he does give money, doesn't he? He takes care of him, and he leaves money with the innkeeper. We've already kind of highlighted, but the, the relationship that this Samaritan doesn't have but starts to form with this individual and says, hey, I'm, I don't care what ethnicity you are or what culture says that we should be to each other. I'm going to help you. But he does something else. The Samaritan gives him his time. He stops. He says, I'm going to put on hold what I am supposed to be doing. It says he was on a journey. I assume he wasn't just meandering aimlessly. Usually journey has a destination and a purpose. So he says, I'm going to take that and set it aside. Now, it's neat that he still gets to go, but he gives care and provision for this gentleman. He takes and sets aside that time. He says, I have enough that I can help you. So as we, as we talk about generosity and we look at these examples, I think it's really neat what happens, that we, we see that under varying circumstances and with different things, we're called to be generous when we look at the Bible. And that alone can be pretty impactful when we think about, and this is, again, this is the, the section of this series where we are working to see what the fruits of our habits are to be. And so when we look at the things that we are to be doing and our day by day and how we are going out. But we can dig deeper. Turn with me, please, to 1 Timothy. And if you guys are comfortable and I appreciate you, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to ask that we dig a little deeper in ourselves too as we think about this and not maybe just go through this so easily. So in here we're going to look at 1 Timothy chapter 6, verses 17 through 19. It says, Command those who are rich in the present age not to be haughty, nor to trust in uncertain riches, but in the living God, who gives us richly all things to enjoy. Let them do good, that they may be rich in good works, ready to give, willing to share, soaring up for themselves a good foundation for the time to come, that they may lay hold of eternal life. When I, when I looked at this, um, I, I said, okay. So if, if we look at verse 17 there, let's just spend a second looking at it. At the very end, there's a statement. It says, who gives us richly all things to enjoy. Now, if you look at that list of resources, you don't have to raise your hand because, hopefully, we're going to be honest and we'd all raise our hand. If we look at that list of resources, what would we say if we were to put a sentence together? How often would we say our money or our relationships or our time? I think pretty often. I would use pretty often. In fact, when I was writing some of my notes for this, I did. So I'm trying to be really upfront with you. But rather, what we see in here at the end of 17, it says that they're not ours, they're given to us. So where we hold ownership, we're actually called to be stewards. And too often, I think we find ourselves getting caught grabbing something as tight as we can because we think it's ours and we have the right to at least some portion of it. But the reality is, 
is that the list the living God's who gives to us. And so rather we should be kind of shifting our focus of stewardship, not ownership. Now let's look a little bit more at verse 18, because there's more goodness in here. Let's read it again. Let them be good. Let them do good. That they be rich in good works, ready to give, willing to share. You see, when we looked at those different circumstances, and when we look at the text here, there's this, at least in my translation, and I I looked through several more, there's basically like a, a different structure, or a certain structure, let me say it that way rather, that's set up in these verses. 17 is started with a command, or more of an imperative. And then when we walk out 18, there's this understanding of compassion behind it. It says, let them. Right, so think about, think about this in terms of if, if you're a child or maybe you've been in a circumstance where you've seen someone or something that's going to go terribly wrong. And ideally what you want to do is you want it to stop. And then ideally, you're calmly enough that you can talk about it and why that was a bad idea. So maybe someone is climbing something. I'm just, I'm just pulling a complete theoretical from possibly my history here. Someone is climbing something and about to jump off of it. And you know that this is a bad idea. So you say, stop, walk away from that. So that's what that first, that's what 17 is. We're given the command to stop looking at those things like our own. All right. And then after we have a second to calm down from the experience of the situation, we say, do this instead. Think about it this way instead. Take these circumstances and rather than try to whittle them down and say, okay, well, uh, I'm looking at, I'm a spreadsheet guy. I'm looking at my spreadsheet and I have this much and I've got this much in here and I could tweak this and I could give this. So maybe that's covering like money. Or we look at a calendar and we say, oh man, I've, I've got it laid out like this. No, 10 minutes. There it is right there. I could give that. Let, let's just stop that and try to understand what the text is saying here. It says, be rich in good works, ready to give, willing to share. There's a heart here that is us to work out of compassion for people. This isn't like some kind of compulsive act that we like need to force that in or some legalistic thing that says we need to do this much or that much. That's not what I'm asking us to consider here when we talk about generosity today. So I hope that you can set aside maybe the idea that you came in with, if you look at it and you're like, ah, David's going to talk about generosity today. We got to do this much or this much. No, I want you to set that aside. But understand that what I'm actually asking is that you consider something that could be way more impactful. I'm asking you to consider what your two mites might be. The widow's two mites that we started with this morning. What would your two mites be that you could give all from? So Brian last week inspired me. So I'm going to walk around and talk. Greg, I don't know if we're going to get feedback, but we're going to go for it. So I'm going to give some handfuls and ask you guys to work these down the row. So I'm giving out baggies. You'll get them. Don't worry. I promise. We've got enough for everybody. So in here, you can start unpacking them because I would be super curious if it was me. So you can start to do that. You're not going to break any rules. Here you go. Thank you so much. Just kind of pass them down your row if you're good with that. If it reaches the end of your row, maybe just sit it on the floor. I'll collect them later. All right, so we started talking about what story? Someone shouted out loud. Two mites. Thank you. So in your bag, you will find today's notional equivalent of two mites. 
Might was a copper coin, and so I've provided with you two copper coins. I'm making an assumption here, and it may be a bold one, but I'm okay with that. If you could open up your baggie, please. Take these two coins and slip them into your pocket. It hurts me, I hate change, but if you would do it with me, please. Now these two mites will be in your pocket today, and they will bug you, and they will remind you of today's message, hopefully. In a good way. To think about what you have to give. And hopefully, if my, my family pulled through last hour on this a lot, so um, I really appreciate that. You'll also have three cards in your baggie. And they say the same general phrase says, but there's a difference of with time, with money, and with relationships. What I thought would be really great is if we could put some gentle reminders to ourselves about what we're trying to look at today. And so these are business card size, which means they also fit in your wallet. So here's my ideas with you. Would you take that money one? Maybe stick that in your wallet just to think about when you're in there. Because how could I be more generous with my wallet? I mentioned I'm a calendar guy, so um, I'm booked a lot, and I do that a lot. I'm, a, I'm also a digital guy, so I have a monitor like at my work. I have a monitor that only holds my schedule. And what I realize is that I could put a piece of tape here and, and stick that to that monitor, maybe right on top, because I don't want to blur the monitor, so maybe on the top or on the bottom or something like that, just as a gentle reminder. Maybe I have a packed schedule, but a coworker comes in with something, and they really like to talk to me about it, and I could say, hey, I could, I could hang this up for five minutes if I could engage you, and we could keep going and forming this relationship and deepen it. And this last one, relationships, I thought long and hard about it. I'm like, where would be productive to stick this. My suggestion, I'm not forcing you, my suggestion, use this as a Bible bookmarker, if you would, because often when I enter the Word, or when I leave it, I find myself thinking about folks, and it may be in a positive and or negative light, but this could be a great reminder to write those relationships, to be generous with what, what you could hold on as your right in that relationship, or like, oh, they need to do this. What about if you just let go of that. Just be generous with that relationship and free it up some. Issue some forgiveness to that person. Go and speak with them. And then, and then we walk out, as we walk out these spots of generosity, we're going to talk next week about whom we share these with and kind of some different, hopefully very practical ways of how we do that. Look there, my mites. Would you guys pray with me, please? Father God, we thank you that God, you can use two mites given from a heart that has only two mites to give. God, and do bountiful things with them. God, that we can just sit and behold you because of your power, because of your initial generosity, and that we could just, God, hope to mature and model that with our lives. Amen.